Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, going solo for this one. As a reaction to the Browns-Packers game on Christmas Day, I'm recording this the night of the 26th. So I have gotten the results of the uh, the Bengals game as well as the Steelers game at this point as well, which is why I wanted to wait a little bit to record this. Plus, I was not going to record on, on Christmas Day. I did actually take some time and, and spend it with my family after watching the Browns game. And actually, I watched the Browns game on a little bit of a tape delay, too. Uh, and then was able to turn on social media after the fact, which I thought was uh, an interesting perspective on the game because uh, some of the dialogue going around it, I I was pretty uh, surprised about, shall we say. But as far as this podcast is going to go, I'm going to talk about the game, uh, get into some of the details, and and then I think there are some larger conversations that need to be had that are already happening uh, in in Brown's uh, universe. So we'll start with the game itself. My takeaway on the game was pretty simple, and I don't think this is going to shock people a whole lot, but what I saw out on the field against the Packers was a roster capable of winning the Super Bowl. I believe that. Now, it wasn't a healthy roster by any means. We we know all the absences that were there and Clowney and the line and you know so on and so forth, but I saw a extremely, extremely capable roster going toe-to-toe and, in fact, outplaying what I would say is the best team in the league right now in the Green Bay Packers record-wise is that would be the case. I also saw what I thought was a playoff slash Super Bowl caliber coaching staff as far as the game plan was concerned. They came out on the first drive. They had a great scripted game plan. I thought they made great adjustments throughout the game as well, uh, which is why you saw them continually move the ball up and down the field on Green Bay. In fact, I thought the Browns coaching staff outcoached Green Bay for large portions of that game, schematically speaking. I thought they outcoached uh, the Packers. Look, the the Browns ran the ball uh, against the Packers a lot, and we talked about, hey, this Packers defense, they've you know been a, a, a top defense the last several weeks. They you know the overall numbers against the run are good, but they're they've shown some weaknesses. The Browns exploited those weaknesses a ton. They exploited their weaknesses in the back seven a ton on that side of the football. On the flip side of the football, I know you can say you know Devonte Adams went off, and that's true, but. The, the Packers, by and large, did not move the ball as easily as they have against other teams. And that's with basically no pass rush and injured Miles Garrett and, and, you know, a fully not healthy defense, you know, rotation at safety and all the like. And they still were able to shut down one of, if not the league's best offense in the entire NFL. Unfortunately, the Browns were missing a playoff slash Super Bowl caliber quarterback. That's the reality of why they lost the game is Baker Mayfield played poorly. It's the interceptions in particular that, that cost them the game. The Packers scored 21 points off of those turnovers. It's pretty cut and dry to me as far as why the Browns lost this game. Now I understand, you know, if let's go through the interceptions one by one here, interception one, that is a bad decision by Baker Mayfield. Yes. There was a holding call against DPJ that should have been called. It wasn't. He still threw the ball into double coverage. That is not a good decision. He never came off Donovan Peoples-Jones as the read, and he threw the ball in the double coverage. And I understand that, yes, he would have been hoping for the holding flag there, but you can't count on that in the NFL, as we've seen, and it was a bad decision. Picks two and three were 
throws that NFL quarterbacks just, you just don't see those throws from guys. I'm sorry, you don't. The second throw, you know, a little pressure in his face, but frankly, not by NFL standards, not that much. Terrible mechanics off his back foot, overthrows Landry, interception. You may see, you know, one or two of those a season from the top guys, for sure. They happen. I'm not saying they don't happen. There are bad mechanics that lead to interceptions. You don't see two of them in one game, and that's what happened because the, the, the third interception was the same thing. I understand Jarvis Landry stri- slipped. It was a horrible throw mechanically, which is why the ball sailed on him and allowed the Packers' corner to get back in and make a play on the football. Just They're inexcusable throws, throws that are purely based off poor mechanics. That's it. And I'm sorry, you could talk about the injury all you want. And I know, you know, there were some good moments on the broadcast pointing out some of his limitations throwing to the left-hand side, but that throw to Landry was to the right-hand side, first of all. The second throw, you know, no pressure really to speak of. Baker Mayfield has got to make those throws. He's got, you just have to make those throws. They were inexplicably bad. The fourth interception, yes. Should have been a holding call. No doubt. Should have been a holding call. But you know why the Browns were down in that position is because of the other three turnovers by Baker Mayfield. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know I am just not blaming the refs guy. They miss PIs holding calls every single week. It is not just the Browns. I am sick and tired of Browns fans complaining about the refs in the Browns. It is not just the Browns. Watch the rest of the league. The Rams game last weekend against Seattle. Terrible Missed P.I. call that should have gone against the Rams. Seattle should have gotten the first down. It's happening all the time in a bunch of different games, not just to the Browns. So Browns fans, that's part of the deal. Learn to live with it. The NFL doesn't have an agenda against the Browns or any other team. They miss holding calls. They missed one on that. Frankly, I, in general, am sympathetic to the fact that DBs, I feel like, are getting the raw end of pass interference and holding a lot. So uh, I'm really loath to, you know, to criticize them for letting the guys play. Now it was too, it went too far. That should have been a, a holding call, as I said, but when in doubt, I think they too often are, are, you know, throwing the flag in that, in that situation when an offensive player is either the one initiating contact and pushing off or, you know, they should have been a, a, a no call. So yeah, they got that one wrong. I'm not saying they, they got it right. They got it wrong. Should have been a flag. But the Browns didn't lose the game because of that one play. They lost it because of three turnovers that led to 21 Packer points and a lot of bad decision-making by Baker Mayfield. So that's the microcosm of this game. Now, I know that there is a, a, a thought process about or a, a discussion about Kevin Stavansky's play calling at the end of the game. Uh, you know, there have been times when I've defended Kevin Stefanski in this podcast is about to have a whole lot more of it. I can tell you that. And there have been times where I've been critical of Kevin Stefanski. I just don't get the criticism at all in this case. I don't get it. First of all, uh, you know, the rest of the game, he absolutely outcoached Matt LaFleur. As I mentioned, the play calling was fantastic. Ask yourself this fundamental question. Did Baker Mayfield throw a receiver open at any point during this game? I would say the answer is no to that. Baker Mayfield completed 21 passes in this game that were drawn up for him schematically. The Browns ran the ball at something like eight yards a carry because of Kevin Stefanski. 
they had a great game plan. They had over 400 yards of total offense against the top tier defense. No matter what statistics you're looking at, this Packers defense is a top tier defense. They had over 400 yards. They outgained the Packers. They had 28 first downs. If it hadn't been for Baker Mayfield's interceptions, they pretty much would have only punted once or twice in the game. And so let's, oh, with that backdrop, though, that doesn't mean he's absent of criticism. That doesn't. But let's talk about the three plays. Well, let's start by why they didn't run the football. Well, Nick Chubb took himself out of the game, which happens because he was gassed from running the football earlier in the drive where he had done some great work. Okay, so you put in Jarenis Johnson in the game. I guess you could say you could think about running the ball there on first and 10. Uh, I know they had all three timeouts, but what the Browns chose to do instead was uh, what I thought was a great little route concept to the right where they got two players open. David Njoku was not wide open. He was open by a half a, half a step to a step. Baker Mayfield never gave him a chance with a pass. It was way too far out of reach. David Njoku never had a chance to catch it. Had he paused and potentially gotten to his second read on the play, which I assume would have been Jarvis Landry, which was uh, the other route, uh, you know, concept uh, right there with David Njoku, Landry was breaking across the middle. He would have been wide open. Now, I don't hate Baker Mayfield's decision to throw the ball to David Njoku, actually. Uh, you know, first read, as I said, he was reasonably open. That's a good play call. It's first and 10. You've drawn a route concept that works. Baker Mayfield missed the throw. I how, I don't understand the criticism there. Like the the play call was well it was well executed by the receivers. It was a play call that worked. The player has to make the play. He did not do that. He did not do that. Baker Mayfield just did not make the throw. I mean, ask yourself this: Was Zay Jones last weekend more open against MJ Stewart than David and Joker was on that play? I don't think so. Derek Carr made that throw. Baker Mayfield didn't. Okay, second down. They ran a screenplay to the left with Dearness Johnson. That screenplay, same screenplay that got Nick Chubb 41 yards earlier in the game. It was the same screenplay they'd run multiple times, all for big gains. I don't hate that play call either. The Packers guy made a nice play. I know we don't like to give defenders credit ever or the other team credit ever. The guy made a nice read. He actually broke up the pass. But to me, that's like kind of a run where, you know, it's a screen as opposed to a run. But the same idea, trying to get your running back and offensive line involved, blocking downhill. I thought that was a good idea. It didn't work, but it was one of those plays that had worked for them the entire game. And then you get the interception on third and 10. So when obviously you have to be throwing the football. Uh, So again, I just, I don't see... I, I can somebody explain to me what I'm missing here? Like, should they have run the ball on first and 10? I guess, but they drew a pass play that works. So, yeah. and at that point to me, if you're saying, okay, at that point to me, if you're saying this, the Browns have to run the football because they don't trust Baker Mayfield. At, like, at, what are we doing at this point? Then, then you're just like, Forget Baker Mayfield. If you can't trust your quarterback to make any throws in the NFL, uh, you know, like, what do we do? That's not, uh, you know, a, a throw that only Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes can make that, that out route to a joke. It's just not, it's, it's one that a lot of NFL quarterbacks can make. Like to me, the idea of, okay, we just, we have to run the ball because that's the only thing we can do. Like Baker Mayfield had times where he's completing the football. Like you have got to make the pass. I just don't put that blame on the play caller. I don't. To me, what that says is, hey, there's under two minutes to go in the game. You need a field goal. 
and you're saying we need to run the ball, that passing the ball three times is an issue. When we need multiple first downs, we're losing the football game. Think about what you're saying. You're saying that means you cannot put the ball in the quarterback's hands. And if you're saying that to me, what you're, you know, it's you're missing the forest through the trees or whatever that saying is like the bigger problem is not the play calling. It's the fact that you can't trust your quarterback at all in a time. Like does any other team in the league think about running the football there? Legitimate question. Any other team? Because like, think about the best running backs in the league. Like Aaron Jones, I was on the Packers. The Packers are throwing the football in that situation. The Cowboys are throwing the football in that situation with Dak Prescott. The Vikings are throwing the football in that situation with Kirk Cousins. I mean, I'm just rattling the the best running games in the league off my head. Like the Tennessee Titans throw that ball with Ryan Tannehill. If you're saying that the Browns needed to run the football in that situation, that says a lot more about the quarterback than it does the play calling. To me, it's that simple. And that to me is kind of the larger fundamental conversation here is I saw way, way too much discourse about the play call on the last three plays rather than what the real issue to me in that game was, which was Baker Mayfield. And I'm getting to the point where, you know, people need to start having a much more realistic conversation about Baker Mayfield. There is a lot of rose-colored glasses right now going on with the, with the, the fan base. Baker Mayfield in that game was two for 10 for 40 yards and four interceptions on throws 10 plus yards down the field. The Browns still had 400 yards of offense. Again, if you're saying the play caller is the issue, think about that a little harder because they cannot throw the ball at all downfield. And he still got this offense 400 yards against an elite defense. Again, I, you know, if you want to say Kevin Stefanski is at fault for the final drive, I just explained. I don't think he is. But if you're out there adamantly saying Kevin Stefanski should have run the football in those final three plays. Okay. Okay. Just think about what that means you're saying. That means you're saying that the Browns should not be trusting Baker Mayfield with under two minutes to go in a football game when they need to score the, the ball. You know what kind of teams don't trust their quarterbacks in those situations? Teams that don't have those quarterbacks for very long. It's pretty cut and dry. There's not a single team with a franchise quarterback that has not thrown the football in the situation. Not a single one. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
So that leads me to Baker Mayfield and the conversation about him. As I mentioned, I think there's just uh, the optimism with the fan base now is it's it's out of control. And the, the defense of him is out of control because people just aren't being realistic. And I get it, guys. I, this whole thing, as I've prefaced all year, I want Baker Mayfield to be good. And we're going to have Baker Mayfield as our quarterback, which I'll get into. So I want him to succeed. But I also am watching the games and with a, you know, with a realistic view of what is going on. He is not playing like a franchise quarterback. The reality of the situation is Baker Mayfield is playing a lot closer to like the Daniel Jones level of quarterback than he is even to like Derek Carr, Ryan Tannehill. Like forget Mahomes, forget Rodgers. Like he's not even in their stratosphere right now. But he's playing like a bottom five quarterback in the league this season. And yes, the injuries are... A factor. There is no doubt that his shoulder is a a little bit of a factor, maybe more than a little bit. But here's the reason why I am beginning to grow pretty pessimistic about the future of Baker Mayfield. And in fact, I would say as of this moment, I don't view Baker Mayfield as as the future franchise quarterback of the Browns. Things could change. I hope they change. As I said, I really do. I mean that. Because I think he is going to be the quarterback here for at least, you know, this season and next. But I do not view him as the franchise quarterback of the Browns anymore. And this is really the first time I think I could definitively say that. But it's come, it's reached that point for me. I, in the offseason, I talked about how I would not trade Baker Mayfield for Deshaun Watson. I talked about how, hey, he's in the second tier of quarterbacks to me. He could push into the top eight. If he has a great season, like the way he ended last year, I think he's in the 10 to 15 range. He hasn't even been close to that this year, guys. And beyond the injuries, the reason why I'm so disappointed in what he's done this season and why I am now you know, starting to be convinced that he's not the answer is the decision-making in particular. The decision-making is bad. I just don't know how you overcome that. He does not process quickly enough. There are open receivers all over the place. I shared this on the podcast, I think two weeks ago or so. PFF charted route concepts plays in which there were three plus open receivers. Number one in the league was Lamar Jackson. Number two in the league was Baker Mayfield. And the percentage was like 37.7%. There are open guys everywhere. Don't, don't want to believe PFF. Don't want to believe me. Fine. How about Jake Burns, who's breaking down all the film? He'll show you all the open receivers. He does it every week on OBR. Go follow his stuff. How about the other film guys all around the NFL who are, who are showing you this stuff? How about Theo Ash, another Blue Wire TikToker who covers the whole NFL? Yes, I said TikToker. He is a TikToker breaking down NFL film who's getting mad respect from all over the place about his film work. And he is just showing time and time again, Baker Mayfield, missing wide open guys and route concepts. He is not seeing the field. That is a fundamental problem for him because he is not like he does not have these, you know, insane athletic gifts. He's not Josh Allen. So he cannot make up for his lack of processing, his lack of decision making abilities with, you know, spectacular runs. He's not Lamar Jackson in that way. As I said, he's not Josh Allen. He does not have those physical traits. He is short, he is relatively unathletic for the position. 
his accuracy has been poor throughout most of his NFL career, which was his calling card in college. At best, you could say inconsistent because he's had great moments of accuracy. I will give you that. He has. And that's what makes him so frustrating. He has great moments where you see him put it all together when he makes the right decision, when he rips it. Because the one thing he does have, I would say, that, that is elite is, is arm strength. I saw somebody kind of make the comparison that Baker Mayfield's a, a poor man's Jay Cutler, a guy with the arm strength but lacks the decision-making. And I don't think it's that bad of a comparison. Outside of the arm strength, he does not have a lot of elite traits. He does not. The intangibles are one thing. They don't matter when you're talking about throwing the football, and he is not executing because he cannot see the field. I think another fundamental problem for Baker Mayfield at this point is the inconsistency in his mechanics. I, I am not going to pretend like I am mechanic guy over here as far as quarterbacks. I never played quarterback. I don't know that much about it. It does not take a genius to figure out that his mechanics have been awful at times this season. His body is flailing all over the place. The finishes are off. And then you see the throws high and wide in the dirt, missed outside, inside, behind receivers. The inaccuracy has been a problem for Baker Mayfield, a big problem. And again, part of the frustration is there are times when that's not the case. There were some throws in that game where he had great mechanics, where he just uncorked a laser beam 15 yards downfield and hit Landry or Higgins. There are a couple. He actually completed a couple third and long passes in this game. He just uncorks the ball. But there is way too many throws where he just misses guys. And this isn't just a this season thing. This is a problem that was in his rookie year. It was under Freddie Kitchens. Guys, remember last year when he missed like five wide open touchdowns? Why do you think that is? There were several games last year against the Raiders, remember? He missed guys just wide open in the end zone. There are a couple different examples. Baker Mayfield misses those throws because his mechanics are extremely inconsistent. I don't profess to be the guy that knows the most about this, but you follow all the people who do. That's what they talk about with Baker Mayfield, inconsistent mechanics. That guy, Theo Ash, I mentioned earlier, who, who's blowing up on Twitter and TikTok and is podcasting for Blue Wire and all that stuff now. He said Baker Mayfield has the worst mechanics of any quarterback in the NFL. And frankly, the guys that you would put up against him, you might say, well, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, that's the problem is the only other guys that survive with his mechanics are guys that are so insane with the rest of their game that they can get away with it. Yeah, there are guys that succeed with bad mechanics, the very, very best quarterbacks, the majority of them don't succeed. When Mitch Trubisky was coming out of college, all I heard from one of you know NFL Scott I really trusted was his mechanics are not good enough. He will not make it because his mechanics are not good enough unless he drastically improves them and makes them more consistent. Baker Mayfield is in that camp. His mechanics are not good enough. Could they get better? Yes. Have they been good? No. And we're at four years of this. He's had a lot of opportunities to make them better. He hasn't. He's going to run out of them eventually. Here's the thing. I say all of that. I say all of that 
to get arrive at the point that I think most Browns fans understand, which is there is not an alternative to Baker Mayfield right now. So I am of the opinion right now that he is not the future franchise quarterback of the Browns. I am also of the opinion that he's going to be the quarterback for the team this season. And at the very least for 2022, and maybe for a year or two after that, if they franchise tag, I don't think he's going to get a huge contract from this Browns front office. I think they understand what they're looking at. I believe Andrew Barry is a really smart guy. And, and I think his track record has proven. So I think Kevin Stefanski understands what he's looking at right now, but as far as this offseason, like, what are your options? You know, Jimmy Garoppolo, Teddy Bridgewater, guys that I don't think are viable replacements. There are no options, particularly in the draft. I don't think Kenny Pickett, you know, first of all, he won't even be there for the Browns. But even if he was, I don't think he's a better option than Baker Mayfield. I don't think any of the quarterbacks in this class are better than Baker Mayfield. So fundamentally, the Browns don't have an alternative, which means you ride with him. Maybe it is all the injury. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm dead wrong. I don't think I am, but I don't think the Browns have an alternative right now. I think what they're going to do is bring in a, some sort of competitive backup to him. You know, uh, from previous years, you can think of like the AJ McCarron types or whatever. I think that's what they'll do. They'll, they'll, they'll move on from case Keenum. And then I think Baker Mayfield's going to be the starter. I think, We'll see what his performance is like without the injury. If it goes the way I think it's going to go, I think the Browns will probably have a pretty similar year to this year and they'll move on. But right now there is no viable alternative for the Browns. So just you better buckle up and hope Baker Mayfield gets better because that's the position I'm in. I want Baker Mayfield to be better. And I hope he's good enough that maybe he does get a long-term extension next season. Maybe he does make the necessary improvements. I'm just not confident it's going to happen. I'm just not. And, and I'll also end the podcast by saying this. I feel like now there's this weird, like you either have to be in team Stefanski or team Mayfield as far as the Browns issues. And I don't think that's the case. First of all, I think the Browns is like, first of all, I think some of this is out of the Browns control. There's no doubt COVID played a factor in the season. There's no doubt injuries played a major factor in, in this season. There's no doubt the de- defensive side of the football took a little time to come together as well. And, and now they're playing really well, but if we're going to make this Kevin uh, Stefanski versus Baker Mayfield, which again, I don't think we, we should, because I think there's, you know, they play caller and quarterback are tied at the hip in, in some regard. But if we're going to do that, because I'm seeing it, if we're going to do that, I'll tell you right now, my flag is planted on Team Stefanski. And it's it's not particularly close. And the reason why is pretty simple. The offense works. The NFL in this day and age with your head coaches, can they design an offense that works? There are rare exceptions. Yes, Bill Belichick has had Josh McDaniels at his side. But fundamentally, most of the best coaches in the NFL are offensive coaches. Kevin Stefanski brings an offense that works. I think he also has installed a fair amount of discipline in this team. I like his demeanor as a head coach, some of those more wishy-washy things. But if we're talking about on the field, Kevin Stefanski brings an offense to the table. You don't believe me, as I said, find all the other sources that talk about this sport intelligently. They all believe Kevin Stefanski does a good job. Dan Orlovsky, Jake Burns. Theo, all these guys, PFF. How about this? 
over the off season, I read this. Uh, if you guys are familiar with Warren Sharp, very uh, well-known gambler, does some work with NBC. He's on the ringer. Warren Sharp, they're all about gambling, right? They don't care about anything else other than making money. He ranked Kevin Stefanski as a top 10 coach. He ranked Baker Mayfield as a bottom third quarterback because that's what they're seeing. That is what they're seeing. He also tweeted out that, that Baker Mayfield, I think, got his first 60 yards of passing with an average you know, a depth of target of about two yards because the offense is working. The other thing about it is Baker Mayfield, the issues I just mentioned, they existed before Kevin Stefanski. Baker Mayfield had decision-making issues before Kevin Stefanski. He, going back to his rookie year, going back to his time under Freddie Kitchens, those were issues. His mechanics have always been an issue. He has never been good when the pocket hasn't been clean around him. It was a major problem in 2019. Yes, his tackles were awful. He did not fix it ever. He did not solve those problems. Aaron Rodgers, the team we just played, his tackles are garbage. They're, I mean, that may be going a little far in fairness, but Dennis Kelly was awful two weeks ago. One of the worst games I've seen from a tackle. He's playing a backup left tackle. You know what Aaron Rodgers is doing week after week? Dicing defenses up and winning the MVP because quarterbacks that are elite navigate the pocket. They are calm under chaos. Baker Mayfield has not ever been that way and is still not that way. He needs to get to that way if the Browns are going to be successful. So the, the decision-making has always been an issue. The lack of elite traits has always been an issue. The mechanics have been an issue. The inconsistency has been an issue. It all predates Kevin Stefanski, and it includes Kevin Stefanski. But what has also happened under Kevin Stefanski is easily the best stretch of Baker Mayfield's career, which is the last 10 weeks of last season. What also happened under Kevin Stefanski was the Browns made the playoffs for the first time since 2002, and they won a playoff game. So if you're asking me, and even this season, they, I, you know, the, I suspect they will win eight or nine games. So what, his, his career record is going to be uh, uh, over 500 and the Browns fans are we're going to demand to get rid of that guy? I mean, give me a break, Browns fans. With all of the incompetent coaches we've seen, this is the guy you're choosing right now to criticize. I just, I can't get behind it. So yeah, if we're going to do that, if we're going to have that discourse, like the, you know, the Jimmy Garoppolo, Kyle Shanahan discourse this offseason, like count me in on, Stefan, on Team Stefanski. I don't want to have to do that. I really don't. I want Baker Mayfield to get better. I want to think about it more positively than that. But if we're going to do that, I'm Team Stefanski all the way. I mean, the guys that are covering this for ESPN Cleveland, the guys like that are, are covering it like Brad, like the insiders, Brad Stainbrook, they're all saying the same thing. Stefanski is not the issue. I just, I, for people that think Kevin Stefanski's play calling is a problem, to me, you're exposing yourselves that you're not watching these games closely enough because there are guys open. There are guys open all the time. So, wow, that was a pretty negative podcast. Usually I don't like to unload and have that negative of a podcast. And I thought that game deserved it. It was a really crushing game, I thought, for the most part, as far as uh, the Browns, you know, morale and for you know the long-term future of the team but 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 the results went the browns way today guys the Bengals beat the ravens 
The Chiefs trounced the Steelers. And ultimately, the Browns' playoff chances didn't take a massive hit. They're not great, but they didn't take a massive hit. Essentially, three things have to happen at this point. The Browns have to win their last two games. That's number one. That's probably the least likely, but that's number one. Hey, the Steelers looked awful today, though, and the Browns did crush the Bengals earlier in the year, despite the fact that the Bengals looked amazing today. The second thing that has to happen is the Bengals need to lose next week to the Chiefs. Very possible. I assume the Chiefs will be favored, but the Bengals did have Joe Burrow throw for 500 yards today. Talk about difference in quarterbacks. Like, we got people out here saying the Browns need to run the ball with under two minutes left. The Bengals are throwing bombs up like 40 points on the Ravens. Not 40, but they were up multiple scores, just uncorking it with Joe Burrow. Like, total faith in him. And that might have been slightly stupid because they were exposing him to some hits, but, like, they were the complete opposite of the Browns. They were just like, we're launching it. So I think the Bengals could absolutely beat the Chiefs next week, but the Chiefs are playing for the one seed. They don't have the tiebreakers with the teams behind them, so they need to win. Hopefully they will be able to do that. Hopefully Travis Kelsey comes back and we're Chiefs fans on this podcast. The last thing that needs to happen is the Ravens need to lose one of their last two games, either to the Pittsburgh Steelers in week 18 or next week against the Rams in week 17. So it's a three-step process, essentially, for the Browns to make the playoffs. The most unlikely of that is probably the Browns going 2-0. I have also decided, being the pessimist of Browns fan that I am, that I, I can see a scenario unfolding here where everything happens that we need to happen until the final weeks, except the Ravens losing. So they need to lose in the final week to the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Browns need to beat the Bengals. The Browns are going to beat the Bengals, and then we're going to be forced to root for Big Ben against the Ravens in Week 18, and he's going to come up short, putting one final dagger in the Browns. So how's that for pessimism? Oh, and Miles Garrett said his groin feels like shit, too, which not surprising after trying to play five days afterward. He did not look very good. So I applaud him for going out there. But, yeah, that was a pretty tough assignment. All right, so I said I was going to get optimistic and say that the Browns' playoff chances uh, didn't take a hit, which they didn't, but then it still ended up somehow pessimistic. So, sorry, Browns fans, this is a pessimistic podcast. Maybe I'll I'll cheer up a little more as the week goes along, but these are two back-to-back pretty depressing losses for the Browns, and I think said a lot about the, the future of this team. So, you know, as I said, I hope I'm wrong. I hope Baker Mayfield turns it around, but boy, oh boy, that game was tough to unsee. That game was real tough to unsee. So that will do it for this episode of the Rebuild, guys. Jordan is in Columbus for the Christmas holiday. I do think he's going to be able to come back this week on a podcast. I've just been rolling solo. You know, I've been I've been toying around with the concept of just, you know, start pulling, you know, fans on here to, to debate uh, about the Browns. And, and that could be something fun to do, too, here if Jordan can't come on. Uh, so, you know, don't go solo on these. Going forward, maybe I'll, I'll try to pull a, a Baker Mayfield defender or or guys who are critical of Kevin Stefanski and have them out for an honest conversation. You know, I I am very much of the mindset that that fans uh, have, you know, well-researched fans. I, I absolutely respect their opinions. I've seen a lot of, you know, tweet replies, Reddit thread replies that are really smart, intelligent. So I don't discredit fans but I also just know the reality of this situation is many of them don't put in the work that I do covering the team. So, I, you know, but if there's a fan that does do that work, I'd be happy to have them on and have an honest conversation. As I said, I hope I'm wrong. And, I, and I'd 
love to go back and forth. And maybe I am wrong. Maybe it is all the injuries and Baker Mayfield will bounce back. So I don't know. That's just an idea I had. If, if you think that's a good one, or if you'd like to be a part of it, reach out to me at Henry underscore Ettinger. If you're not already engaging with me there, please do. We've had a lot of great uh, back and forth the last couple of weeks uh, with the podcast. And so I appreciate all you guys out there listening who are doing that. And please spread the word, tell a friend as well. The, the, the podcast has been doing well, but we'd love to get even more listeners, even more numbers that will allow for a lot more fun stuff as well, live events and, and everything else. So appreciate everybody out there listening and I hope you had a Merry Christmas and hope you guys have a happy new year as well. We'll talk more uh, soon along the way here this week until next time Browns fans, two words for you. Go Browns.